You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, uh, do you feel snubbed from the 40-man All-Australian squad? Uh, no. Uh, I'm not an AFL player though, Josh. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, there is uh, some players that uh, would be disappointed about it. But I think more than anything, it's just the fans, isn't it? The fans get fired up about it. They they do. They they get especially fired up for their uh, for their players. There's only 40 spots in there, and there are players that you could make the argument for. And we're, this is this is teasing what we're going to do in the, in the back end of this show. And we're going to start revealing our all uh, all Australian teams based on that 40 man squad. But there are players that are just not going to get in. You you can't have you know 60 players into 40 spots. There are guys that you could easily make the argument should be in over other players. And yeah, I, I can see that. But um, yeah, I think probably the biggest name omitted is seems to be Todd Goldstein. That's the one that people have the most issue with at this point. That seems about right. I don't think a lot of people watch North Melbourne this year, though. So I think it's, uh, you know, people would be kind of frustrated by it. He obviously had a pretty big year. Um, probably unexpected to to bounce back as well as he did. And certainly through the first half of the year, I thought he was pretty dominant. Uh, he cooled off a bit down the back end, I think. And, you know, I was a little bit surprised. I saw some reports that were kind of shocked that a few teams didn't have all Australian players. I mean, this kind of happens every year. Yeah. It's, it's just what it is. North Melbourne obviously had a pretty terrible year. You could make a case for Goldstein over Nat Nui and Gorn, probably. But then again, the other two were pretty good and they, their teams were better. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too upset about it. But I'm also not too upset about the fact that uh, people get fired up about it. I was kind of getting annoyed yesterday about the tweets that, oh, that's that's not uh, debate this or let's not get too fired up. It's like, why not? It's like, that's the whole point of it. Who cares? Like, if you think your player should have been there, then get fired up about it. What are we... I don't think the players need random people on Twitter to say congratulations on making the All-Australian 40-man squad. It's a great effort. I don't think they care about that. Let the fans debate. It's not too bad, is it? I don't think so. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a big deal to have people... You know, I think you know, when you're out there criticizing other players, oh, this guy's trash, this guy should be in ahead of him, maybe you can pull up on that sort of stuff. But I mean, yeah, there is there is arguments to be made over the last you know, 10, 10 spots in that group, and I think that's we're all going to have differences of opinion there, and you understand that that's the way it's going to go. But we're going to talk more All-Australian later on, because we debated yesterday how stupid it seemed that St. Kilda and the Bulldogs might be heading to Adelaide, and why do you have to have the two Queensland games on the one day? The AFL came to their senses, and we've got the, the schedule out now for the the first week of the finals, we have uh, West Coast, uh, sorry, West Coast, uh, Port and Geelong on the Thursday night. We have Brisbane and Richmond on the Friday night. The Saturday afternoon is St Kilda and the Bulldogs, and then Saturday night West Coast and Collingwood. So that is our our first uh, round of the finals settled. Um, pretty strong looking uh, run of things, and it, uh, it all seems to make sense. Yeah, mostly makes sense. I saw some talk yesterday about the fact that the Pies or West Coast will have a shorter break. Then Geelong and Port Adelaide the following week, but I'm not so sure that's a that's a big factor, and I don't think it will be a big factor. I mean, at most, you're still looking at a, a six day break. I mean, if they played on the Friday night the following week, you're still going to get six days, and yeah, you got to travel from WA. But come on, it's 2020. The travel the travel isn't going to take that much out of them. And I, I, the one thing I will say is I saw some growing uh, sentiment, I guess, and it was probably just from Collingwood fans saying that 
why why should we have to travel to WA and do the seven day quarantine? Why do we have to do this? Well, first of all, you, you're climate supporters, so I don't think you should complain about uh, finals and having to travel for finals. You barely ever leave the MCG in September. And secondly, it's a seven day quarantine. And they're in a resort. They're at a golf resort. It's going to be fine. It's not like they're locked in their hotel rooms for seven days and then have to play uh, a game of footy. They're, they're going to be doing just fine over there. I think that uh, the, the quarantine has been overblown. Yes, it's a quarantine from the general public in Western Australia, which makes sense. But let's not act like these guys are going to be locked up in their hotel rooms and not able to do anything. I, I'm not concerned about that at all. No, they're going to be out there playing golf, having a swim, yeah, kicking, kicking back, having some, uh, having some beers around the pool perhaps in a couple of days. So I think it's not that big of a deal. It's obviously not an ideal scenario, but nothing really about this season has been an ideal scenario. And Collingwood finished eighth. So if anyone's going to get the rough end of the stick in terms of finals arrangements, it probably should be the team that finishes eighth. I think that's all fine. And I think it's no worries for them. They're going to head over there to the Joondalup Resort, uh, do their seven-day quarantine. I think that that's a completely reasonable thing that happens. We also got some uh, good news for one of the finals teams, Kane, and some bad news. For another one of them, Harris Andrews looks like he's going to be back for the first week of the finals. While Elliot Yo, we speculated on this that it might, uh, it looks pretty rough that for him to come back this year, he won't be coming back this year. But Harris Andrews, that is a, that's a big one to have him back for uh, week one of the finals. Yeah, it would be particularly when you consider. Uh, playing Richmond and and maybe Tom Lynch. I mean, we don't know if Tom Lynch is even going to play in this game. So this is where it's going to be interesting. Do they both come in uh, off of uh, interrupted preparations? I don't want to say limited preparations, interrupted preparations and play on each other. Uh, that would be an interesting matchup to see uh, unfold there. I guess the question for Brisbane would have to be, and they'll be asking themselves this, and uh, you you would be, I mean, you would be a little bit concerned about it. I mean, the fact that he's missed a couple of games here. At first, they were talking about a six-week injury, and now this would end up being, I think, three or four around there. So certainly shortened time frame from what they originally uh, diagnosed with him. They've got a second chance. They're going to stay in Brisbane, and most likely, unless they, they end up playing Port Adelaide, I guess if they lost, they would switch over and have to go to Adelaide Oval for the prelim. But um, the point being, they're going to be in Brisbane the week after as well. This is what they're going to have to weigh up. How much do you want to risk this, bringing back Harris Andrews, if he had any type of setback, then his season's over, which I think would be the, the scary part for Brisbane. Yeah, it is. You obviously got another week or so here before they have to play. Like we're on Wednesday, they play next Friday. So there's some more recovery time there, but things are looking good. But that is a risk that they're going to have to, to take. Do they value that extra week off and the you know the the preliminary final spot with that week off versus uh, risking that? Like it is a, a cost-benefit analysis, I guess, you've got to make on that decision. I reckon they'll end up playing him, to be honest. If he's ready to go, they I don't think they'll err completely on the side of caution there because I think they... They want to make sure they can uh, they can knock Richmond off and uh, and get themselves another week to rest him up there further to uh, to, to play in that uh, preliminary final and then perhaps move on to the grand final. Uh, other West Coast news: Elliot Yo has set out for the year, but Andrew Gaff has now signed on to the end of 2024. So good to get Gaff locked up there for another four more years. Um, interesting stat here that you've uh, you've pulled up from Swamp over on Twitter. He, most disposals after 214 games, which is where Gaff sits. He's fourth all-time <laughs> on that list in most disposals behind uh, Greg Williams, Robert Harvey, and Dane Swan. So it's pretty remarkable that he's uh, that he's there just uh, just pipping Joshy Kennedy for a fourth spot. Yeah, knows how to find a footy. No doubt about that. He's kind of, and I, I don't want to say he's off the radar. I mean, West Coast have been a team that, certainly has been winning basically throughout his whole career. They've been good. They're always thereabouts, but he is kind of, he does still slide under the radar, but he wins the footy. There's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, he does, and he's a, a key part. And people will, will criticise, oh, yeah, D doesn't get the hard ball. Not If everyone gets the hard ball, then nobody gets the ball on the outside. And yeah. while that's, you know, we tend to, in a footy culture, uh, you know, oh, they're the tough guys who go in there and bang in. We, we really sort of lionise those guys and the players who play on the outside, oh, he's soft, he can't do it. But you, you can't win a footy game if everyone's just jumping on the ball and then it gets out there and there's no one who can A, run, B, kick, or C, actually be in the position to receive the ball. You've got to have both sorts of players. You've got to find the right mix of those players. And that's something we've criticized teams for a lot this season. Like, do you have different speeds of how your midfield can run and how your players can run? Because if they're all outside, it doesn't work. If they're all inside, it doesn't work. You've got to have those guys and you know, Gaff fills that role perfectly. And who's to say he couldn't you know, work it to a different level in a different squad, in a different team, if that's what was required of him. But he's been fantastic and it's great for the Eagles to lock him in for the, uh, for the long term for the next four years. Now, we've talked All-Australian squad already, um, but we're going to give our All-Australian squad. We're not, not no, sorry, we're going to give our All-Australian team. We're not giving our squad because we've got the 40-man squad to work from. And Kane, what we're going to do is we're going to announce um, our All-Australian backline and our centerline in today's show. And then tomorrow, we'll give the rest of our squad, because uh, rest of our team, because the official team gets announced on Thursday night. How did you approach this? Because what I looked at, and it is hard to do, and there's been criticisms of all Australian teams in the past of you know, picking blokes in positions that they never play. I tried to avoid that, and that might lead to the team maybe not having the best 22 players out of that 40-man squad, but overall the best team or the team that makes the most sense in terms of positions. I thought that was a fair way for me to approach it, but how did you look at trying to name this team? Yeah, I split up the 40-man squad into backs, mids, and forwards, and um, I tried to keep them that way. Now, there's some players in the forward line that they're clearly they're midfielders as well, but I think they've spent a significant amount of time up forward that it would make sense uh, to put them in the forward line. I know we're going to get to our forward line uh, tomorrow. Other than that, as long as they played the majority of their footy in that position, or certainly a high percentage, then I was fine with that. The other thing I tried to do is Look at different aspects of their game. So what stat stands out for a player? Where does that rank among the league? Does that make sense to come into the team? So again, uh, maybe it's a little bit different to the way they look at it. We know one one issue that people have with the All-Australian squad or the All-Australian team each year, as you sort of alluded to, is the fact that you get random midfielders in a half-forward flank or whatever, and they've never played there, or a half-back flank or whatever it is. I think ultimately... The bench is made up of those spare midfielders because there is a lot of quality there and I think guys that probably deserve to make the team. But uh, I tried to keep uh, the positions relatively similar as well. I do think that gets a little bit difficult with the wings in particular because you know when it comes to genuine wingmen, there isn't too many around the yeah, league. But that uh, that's the way I tried to look at it. And there's not many genuine wingmen who were picked in this squad as well. Yeah. Because there are some wingmen who, who do that role yeah, pretty well. Um, they, they didn't necessarily get picked in, into this team. So that was a hard one for me as, as well to get those guys into that position. Um, but that's uh, that, that's where we are. Do you want to start with your uh, full back line? Yeah, I can go. I had Nick Haynes, Jacob Weederin, and Luke Ryan. Not far off from mine. I had uh, Nick Haynes. I had Luke Ryan. I had Harris Andrews there at uh, at fullback. I think just in terms of you know, key defenders, yeah, it doesn't you know, whether they're playing fullback or center half back. I'm sure you had Harris Andrews on your next line, but so we've we've gone pretty similar there. What's your um? Not that you need to make an argument because I'm obviously not arguing with you because we've got the same two blokes on the other side of the key defender there. But you know why did we've been talking up Luke Ryan all season? Why have you got him in that team? Do you think any? Do you think you'll make the final squad? Oh, I do. I think you'll get in there. I mean, again, I was looking at different stats and what 
what does Luke Ryan do that makes me think, look, when I'm watching Fremantle play, why have I been so attracted to watching him play and, and what he's doing on the field uh, this season? And number one, he's intercept possessions. He's number one in the AFL for intercept possessions with 129. As far as meters gain go, uh, he's absolutely elite as well. As far as defenders, he's only behind Adam Saad when it comes to guys that are uh, qualified as defenders as far well, from what I've got up here as well. And he's kicking efficiency at 83%. So, uh, Luke Ryan, for me, has been the ultimate uh, defender in terms of intercept possessions and even intercept marks. So intercept possessions and intercept marks can sometimes cross over a little bit. But as far as intercept marks go, he ranks seventh in the league with 37 as well. So I just thought a Fremantle team that was under fire a lot of uh, a lot of the times during the season, he just continually held up. And and it was honestly, it was similar to Nick Haynes where, where I watched the Giants. Nick Haynes was the guy that really saved GWS time and time and time again. Nick Haynes led the league in intercept marks. But that was the reason why I thought those two uh, need to get in and why I think they actually will get in. Out of, uh, yeah, Luke Ryan gained, you know, almost 409 meters a game. He was right up there in terms of rebound 50s, average almost seven a game there. Um, we, We know how important he was as that defender for this uh, for this Dockers team, like in terms of all defenders, he was uh, third in terms of rebound fifties. He yeah. uh, was where was he in terms of you know, meters gained tenth there, and a guy that can play a little bit taller as well. Um, he was yeah, I thought he was really important for that. And Haynes, we know one of the best intercept markers in the game, a guy that can provide forward drive and hold up so much under the pressure of GWS. Now I'm going to guess that you've got Harris Andrews on your next line as well, because I've got Jacob Weedering on my next line. So I think we've gone with the two same key defenders there. So Weedering, just to quickly touch on him, and this is kind of funny because just when I was looking this up last night, um, an interesting stat there was uh, for another key defender on. Uh, the Carlton team. Oh, Liam Jones. Oh, I know this one. I looked this up as well. Is he going to tell me that he had 8% contested one-on-one losses? It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. This stat does not even make sense. So it, It's ridiculous. The two, the two players that lead the AFL in con, uh, contested defensive one-on-ones uh, total, Liam Jones, 88, and Jacob Weider in 86. The top two in the AFL, which first of all, uh, gives you an idea that maybe the Blues need to get some support back to their back line and stop leaving these guys in one-on-one situations. Liam Jones only lost 8%. And you can't even... Look, to get to someone that has a percentage below uh, 10, you, there's none in the, in the top 100. And these are guys that obviously have had uh, far fewer contested defensive one-on-ones. Liam Jones is just... He's unbeatable. It's unbelievable. I would like to know who actually beat him in those uh, contested one-on-ones there. But Weedering, uh, that was another reason why I had him in there. 86 uh, one-on-ones and uh, only lost 15% of them as well. So he's been almost unbeatable in uh in in one-on-one situations how would you feel if i said i didn't have harris andrews and i had darcy moore um look darcy moore was real close for me uh i was actually debating him and weedering in for that into that other spot so i don't think i'd be completely against it but i'd also think that you were you were being maybe a little bit uh a little bit picky uh, I think Andrew should have been in that spot, but hey, let's let's reveal who we've got on that halfback line. So you can put me out of my misery and tell me if you've actually got Darcy Moore in there. Yeah, I got Darcy Moore in there, and then alongside him, I, I got Caleb Daniel, who I, I thought was as far as no-brainers. So when I got to the back six, I had two no-brainers. Caleb Daniel was one, and Nick Haynes was the other, and then I uh, worked out the other four um, from there. And then another kind of surprise one that I think when you look at the team, what they've been able to do, when you look at what this player brings in terms of. Clearances as a defender, he ranks elite. Pressure acts, he ranks elite. Uh, he gets you a three inside 50s and two rebound 50s per game as well. We spoke about him a lot on the podcast 
I, I'm not sure whether he will make the team. I think it will be a little bit of a surprise, but I did have Darcy Byrne-Jones on the other halfback flank as well. Interesting. So I, I agree with you in terms of the uh, setting up your you know, your back six. I had two you know, absolute locks that I put in straight away, and one of those was Andrews, who you didn't have in. Interesting. But yeah. Caleb Daniel on halfback, I, I thought, yeah, had to had to be in there. He's one of the best kicks, if not the best kick in the uh, in the entire league, and uh, doesn't get destroyed in one on ones. He's actually pretty strong in those one on one numbers. Can move forward, can kick goals. I had him in there as well. I had Weedering obviously as my. Um, Center half back with Harris Andrews as my fullback. And I didn't take Burn Jones there. I went with Braden Maynard. I really like what yeah. he can do. At times, he can butcher the footy, but he's tough. He's strong. He's good in one-on-ones. He can run off. He can be creative offensively. I think he's one of he's one of the, the most... Yeah, one of the shittest haircuts in the league, but also <laughs> a guy that is super interesting to watch. His rating points are high. He gets a lot of the footy. He's uh, over 400 meters gained. Um, uh, only 22% uh, contested one-on-one loss as well. He can do it in both ways. So he's the guy that I put in there ahead of uh, ahead of Burn Jones. And you know, I didn't really have too many other guys that I was sort of considering in that role. Um I think it's interesting that we both left uh, the Richmond guys out, Floston and Grimes, who were both nominated mm-hmm. there. I, I did consider them. I also you know, quickly considered Brad Shepard, but didn't uh, didn't go that direction. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I thought, oh, does Jordan Ridley deserve a spot there? But uh, but moved him out of that uh, out of that mix. Um, was there anyone else you sort of were like, hey, I'm on the fence. Which guy am I going to stick in here? Um, no, uh, Maynard. I, I really, you know, I, I kind of wanted to get Maynard in there. And to be fair. Once I put Darcy Moore in, I, I thought that I, I probably shouldn't go with Maynard. And I know that's maybe not the way it should work, but I, I just thought, it did, just to get back to Darcy Moore, I, I think that what he did just uh, after they lost Jeremy Jeremy Howe, I think the fact that Collingwood's backline didn't really lose a lot and Moore actually sort of moved up the ground a little bit. He became more of that uh, intercept marking, attacking player because he actually is a, a pretty damn good kick of the footy when we talk about the Pies and their lack of skills in the back six and why uh, that certain players have become a little bit difficult to play down there. Darcy Moore has been fantastic. He's attacking. He runs through the center. He takes the game on. And I think that his role actually changed uh, through the season. He doesn't get beaten in one-on-ones a lot either. So yeah, I mean, no doubt, like Harris Andrews may be a little bit stiff there. Um, I, I thought it came down to between Weedering and, and Andrews though, as the, as the true full back, but I did want to get Darcy Moore in there at center half back. But I, you know, the guys you mentioned, I mean, Vlaston obviously, uh, a little bit stiff, there's no doubt. But, uh, you know, it was hard. I mean, you look at the other four guys around the key position players with Ryan, Haynes, Daniel, and Burn Jones. I mean, <laughs> some pretty damn good players. And again, you know, Braden Maynard was probably my first out. Darcy Moore was close to my first out as well. So we're sort of on the on the, on the the money there in terms of you know, how we're thinking. Maybe it's group thing coming into play. We'll see how that team actually gets announced. But that is our back six. I went Ryan, Andrews, Haynes, Daniel, Wiedering, Maynard, and Kane, your back six. Uh, Haynes, Wiedering, Luke Ryan, Caleb Daniel, Darcy Moore, Darcy Byrne-Jones. There you go. It's a couple of Darcy's in there. Now it's time for us to flick it into the center line. Um, this one, we're going to obviously see who, who moves into the midfield when we release the, the follower line in tomorrow's show. But I tried again here to, to make it so that the players on the wing were players who played some time on the wing, not just guys who were never out of the center. And it is, it's not easy to do. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Who, who do you think is, in terms of pure winger, who do you think is the best actual just wingman in the league? Um, difficult question. I mean, I probably, at the start of the year, if you had to tell me that St. Kilda were going to have two guys nominated for the All-Australian squad, I probably would have thought Bradley Hill might have been one of them. 
And maybe he would have, I know he plays halfback a little bit as well, but I would have thought maybe he would have been a guy that would have been pushing for that All-Australian wing spot. Um, obviously, you know, kind of surprisingly, the Saints are in the finals and he's, he's had a down year, but Bradley Hill strikes me as one that's pretty damn dangerous. Yeah, I think he's in that mix. We talked about Gaff already. I think Lockie Hunter yeah, yeah, as well. a as a pure winger, like he doesn't really do anything else apart from be on the wing and he just, just has one side of the ground and just works up and down that one side of the ground, really. So he's another one in that mix, but these aren't guys apart from Gaff who are in that squad necessarily. Um, all right, do you want to go first on your center line here? I uh, can. You're probably going to like it a lot. And I, I, think, that, I think the second... The wingman here is one that people will probably just say, that's ridiculous, doesn't even really make a lot of sense. But I wasn't sure which other direction to go. So I had Menegola, who does spend a lot of time on the wing. I think that he probably will get in there. Um, Bonta had in the center. Bonta, actually, and it's kind of surprising. You have to look up the numbers. Remember back to round five or round six, there were some question marks about his form. Bonta Pali ends up second in the AFL for center clearances. So just by virtue of that, I think you got to put him in there. He's one of the best in the middle uh, in the game. Funnily enough, he's behind only Paddy Cripps who didn't uh, actually get nominated for the squad despite leading the AFL in center clearances there. So I've got Bont in the center, also a goal kick. I kicked 11 goals. And uh, on the other wing, I had another friend of yours, uh, Jack McRae. And, I, I, you know, it's it's difficult. Uh, I thought that the season he had, I think a lot of people would suggest maybe it was better than Bont. I'm not 100% sure about that um, from watching this team over the last 10 or so weeks. But that's the way I went anyway. Interesting. Um, McRae probably spends a, a fair bit of time in the midfield. He does yeah. you know, jump out onto a wing at times when the, the Bulldogs throw Smith or Libertore into the guts, but yeah, obviously those guys are, are worthy of those spots. I also had Menangola in there in terms of guys that really never go into the center square and uh, are, are pure wingmen. I thought what he did this season when you know, Selwood was out, Ablett was out, he really stepped up and he was a key part in driving this Geelong team forward, even in, in some moments. And not to drag your namesake into this again, but Kane Corns yesterday said that Patrick Dangerfield is the best player in the league at the moment by a mile, and I just I don't think Dangerfield had his best year this year. I think he was good, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call him that good. And I think there were times when he had some struggles early this season, and Menangola stepped up along with other some other Geelong guys. Uh, so I've got him there. I had uh, diff- two different players in the rest of these uh, positions. I put uh, Dusty in the middle. I uh, just think, yeah, I could have chucked him in, in plenty of different positions, but I, I had Dusty yeah. in there. We know his ability to move forward, kick goals. You'd be that link player, half forward player, middle player, stoppage, uh, center clearance, beast. You know, we know what Dusty Martin could do. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. And then on the w- other wing, I had Travis Boak. I'm not feeling great about it because I'm just not sure in terms of going with my idea of having someone who's a wingman in that spot. Uh, but yeah, being the captain of the team on the top of the ladder, uh, being a, a key midfielder uh, throughout the season, who's not going to 100% be in every center bounce, he's in there a lot of the time. I just think yeah, what Boke's been able to do this season deserves recognition, so I chucked him in there on the wing. Yeah, the second wing spot is tough. Again, I thought Manigola was probably the obvious one, and uh, he he truly does stay out on the wing. If you look at his heat map, he gets a lot of uh, possessions out there. He can take contested marks. Uh, he's a goal kicker as well. So really, your traditional wingman, and he's big. Manigola, 189 centimeters as well. I mean, I know all midfielders are sort of training towards that size uh, in the modern game, but uh, I, I thought Manigola was a, a pretty obvious decision. But the second wingman, yeah, really difficult. I mean... You've gone, you've gone with Boak, I've gone with McRae. I don't know. I, I think they, but clearly they both deserve to be in there. Boak's obviously a, a bit of an outside chance, you know, behind Lockie Neal to win the Brownlow. And Jack McRae, uh, second most disposals for the season in the AFL, only behind Lockie Neal. So uh, a pretty damn good year for him. But it's tough. And we'll see that with the with when we go through the rest of our midfield tomorrow. And then also the bench, as I said, I think the bench is where 
you see a couple of other of those midfielders sneak in there as well. Yeah, you just uh, you start loading up on the guys that you, you missed out there. I think the other guy that deserves mention here, I don't know if you've got him in any of your other spots, but in terms of pure wingman is Hugh McCluggage, who plays a lot mm. out there on the wing, uh, along with Gaffman and Gola and McCluggage are probably the three almost exclusive wingmen in this team. And maybe I could have chucked one of those guys in there over Boke, but I just think you know, Boke, I feel I feel okay playing him out on the wing, and his season probably just trumps those two guys. But they're the two other, yeah, probably unless I'm missing someone, the exclusive wingman types. Yeah, I thought, you know, I just thought it was a stretch. If I was putting McCluggage in there, yep. I thought I was trying too hard to yeah, to, that's to just a, put, that's what I thought. Yeah, just to put a wingman in for the sake of of putting a wingman in. He's been great, but it's like, well, yeah, Jared Lyons didn't even get a mention in the All Australian squad. Uh, neither did uh, like Barry. Neither did Barry. So I, I just thought when I was looking through, I understand why McCluggage is in there. He's had a fantastic season, but it's too much of a reach to try and put him in the team. Yeah, I, that's that's sort of where I looked at. Like you know, I really debated it and thought, yeah, does he fit there? Um, yes, the position makes sense, but do I want him in over uh, you know, someone who I had in, in there in, in both? Well, you had both. And I, and I had McRae, and yeah. I, I I couldn't sit here and put McCluggage in the in the team ahead of those two. No, and and it's not like those guys McRae and Boke don't spend some time out on the wings as well. Like we can talk about specialist wingers, but midfielders do spend a little bit of time out there. And those you know, there are midfielders who don't spend any time out there. We know that, but those guys do spend some time on the outside a little bit. And I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. So so far. That's our uh, nine nine out of the twenty two we've announced. We'll come back with the rest of those tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm still not sure about how the rest of my team looks. I'm I'm still you know debating some of these picks, especially a couple of the bench guys that I'm not a hundred percent certain of. But Luke Ryan, Harris Andrews, Nick Haynes for me, Caleb Daniel, Jacob Wiedering, Braden Maynard, Travis Boak, Dustin Martin, and Sam Menegola. That is my nine players so far. Yeah, I went with uh, Haynes, Wiedering, Luke Ryan, Caleb Daniel, Darcy Moore, Darcy Byrne-Jones, Sam Menegola, uh, Marcus Bonson-Pelly, and Jack McRae. So, um, I mean, let's be honest, pretty damn good teams. This is why I said right at the top. I mean, I don't know why I need to I need to be out here congratulating certain players for making the, the top 40 without saying, why didn't someone else get in there? Come on. We're going to do these teams and people will disagree. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure there's some Richmond fans that can't believe that we don't have Loston or, or Grimes in there as well. I mean, this is what it's all about. I'm also, uh, yeah, I, I've, I did my team, and not to give too much away, but I had, a, I had a couple other Bulldogs in my squad, and I thought, did I go too hard on them? But I'm, I'm glad that out of your first nine, you've got the three Bulldogs who were nominated in there. So I don't feel much as, as if I'm being as biased in, in picking my team, because, uh, yeah, if you're going to leave uh, Bontempelli and McRae out, of them, you've got, I think you've got some explaining to do, given the numbers that they've put up this year. So I'm glad that you've got those guys in already, so I don't feel completely biased. Yeah, there's a couple of players, and we'll get to it tomorrow um, before we do, that I, I think are pretty stiff. I, what I do hope is, I'll say this without projecting ahead, uh, again, as you sort of pointed to, I, I hope that a couple of players in particular don't just get in because of who they are, because I, I don't think that they probably should be in there this year, but there are a couple of uh, primetime names that I, I think would be taking the spots of other guys that probably deserve to be in there. Very interesting to see what those names actually end up being because we have not shared our teams with each other here, so we're uh, surprising each other on the spot with these squads. And I'm going to surprise you on the spot now, Kane, by saying that's the end of the show. And thank you again for today's uh, today's show. We'll be back tomorrow to reveal the rest of our All-Australian team, catch you up on the rest of the news as well. Look forward to it. Guys, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Go give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Jordan Murdoch.